about them, why would I be in this pulpit and why would you be in those pews? We are glad, we do rejoice, we do praise and thank God for what he did through them. But we are here for our God and his son, Jesus Christ. We are here in the power of his spirit to hear his word, to deal with it, to offer our thanks and praise and prayers. And let us do that. The word of the Lord that engages us is our gospel lesson from the Gospel of John, and we are in what is uh, often called the farewell discourse. Jesus is at the end of his life. His uh, mission on the earth is coming to a close, and he knows it, and so he has things to say. Not only will he die, he will rise again, but he will go away, and so he has things to say. He wants to prepare them. He urges the disciples to believe in God and to believe in him. He identifies himself as the way, the truth, and the life. The one sure, the one only way to know God the Father. And he identifies himself as the true vine and his disciples as the branches. And because of that, he urges them not only to believe in him, but to keep his word, to observe his commandments. The chief of those is the new commandment, to love one another. And he prepares them for what is to come. Opposition. Hatred. He promises them that these things will come, and he assures them that when he goes, another counselor will come, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who will teach them all things and lead them into all truth. And we find ourselves in our gospel lesson here with Jesus speaking about the command to love and the promise that they will be hated. Now, notice the contrast here. Disciples of Christ should love each other. In the unbelieving world, they will hate you. Well, the command is then, love each other. This goes beyond love your neighbor as yourself and even love your enemies, those things stand. But this is to, you might say, you all. It's to the disciples as a whole that they would love each other as Christ loved them. Greater love has no man than that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was about to do that. Like the good shepherd, he would lay down his life for his sheep. As a true friend, he would lay down his life for his friends. And in a similar manner, so he calls on his disciples, and he calls on all who are his disciples, and that would be you too. Love each other. And he would prepare them for their love for him and for their love for each other. There would be trouble. There would be hatred, there would be oppression, there would be trouble. This would happen because the world hated him. But because they hated him, they would hate them also. And so it might happen also to all of you. Now, in speaking about these things, we should recognize that Often for us, 
at least in the United States. For us in uh, this country, in this society, the idea of hatred is a difficult one. And the idea that the basic command of the church should be to love each other is maybe an odd one. And you might say that the basic reason for that is economic. Uh, for the specific ministry pastor program, SMP, for the uh, master narrative course, there is a book called Telling God's Story by a man named John Wright. It's, uh, it's quite a compelling book. And among other things, Wright calls for uh, the church to examine itself in relation to society. It calls for American churches and American preachers to look at what place they have in America. And the reason is it amounts to economics. The United States is a place where you're dominated by business. You go to school. Why? So you can get a job. You grow up and you have a job. But jobs so often are, well, just that. Work. Something you do for someone else. Something you do for a paycheck. And so often you are treated as not a person, not as an individual, but as something. What's the name we use for personnel today? Human resources. Just another part. Well, in this kind of society, and he's not the only one to say this, uh, it's easy to find yourself without meaning, without purpose, wanting to have some kind of help, wanting to be able to cope with that. And what provides that so often? It turns out to be churches. So in an industrial, managerial society, what is needed is some kind of therapy. And churches very often, he says, provide that. People come, not just with wants, but with real needs. Personal needs, emotional needs, psychological needs, real needs. And churches find it easy in the United States to try to satisfy them. Well, in that kind of a situation, it becomes hard to think that the basic command of disciples of Christ is love one another because it's not really about others, it's about me and my needs. Real needs, me and my life, me and coping with my job, with my school, with my family, and that can be a challenge. Beyond that though, there's yet a, a further issue. Churches in the United States are no longer, no longer have a secure place. It used to be that churches were institutions. They could last year after year, decade after decade. But churches have lost their secure monopoly position. And now they face competition. Competition from other churches and preachers, Competition from other religions and philosophies. Competition from leisure activities, television, sports, and the like. And what do you do 
you're in competition. What do churches and preachers do naturally when you find yourself in competition? Try to keep market share. An easy way to do that is to give people what they need. But if this is the kind of situation, then it becomes hard to see how what we should really do as disciples of Christ is believe in him and love each other. And it becomes hard to see how anyone would really hate us. If we're in competition and we're seeking to have, be preferred, well, hatred's not even really a concept that can enter into things. Now, this is not the situation in all churches around the world. There is really opposition to Christ, suppression of the gospel, persecution of Christians. And maybe that day will come again to the United States. But it probably hasn't come yet. So, what the words of our Lord bring to us are not just a command to love each other. What they bring to us Christians in the United States is not just a, a warning about persecution, but their very topics call for us to examine ourselves, call to examine our relationship to our world and to the Lord. Now, one could say, well, that's very complicated, and in some respects, it is. But in other ways, it is actually very simple. It comes back to thinking that all things are found in and through Jesus Christ. That all that matters and the meaning of all things is found through him as the Son of God and the way, the truth, and the life and that the people of God, the true disciples of Jesus Christ, are those who acknowledge him as the Christ, as the Son of God, and look for him for eternal life. Look to him for all things. Listen to him and keep his word. And where this finds itself in conflict with the world, well, so he said it would be. He was hated. He did not die because of an accident or a misunderstanding. He died because he said he was the Son of God. He healed on the Sabbath, and that was bad enough. But then he called, called God his Father and made himself equal with God, and they got all the matter. He claimed to have come down from heaven, and people asked themselves, isn't this Jesus, son of Mary and Joseph? Don't we know him? How can he say he came down from heaven? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus did not die by accident. He was rejected for who he said he was. But he rose again and proved that he really was the Son of God. He rose again and proved that his word, his promises, his commands are real ones. He rose and showed that through him, through faith in him, there really is eternal life. He rose and demonstrated that his command to love each other is one that we ought to take seriously. 
he rose. And you will rise too. No matter what kinds of things you face in this life, no matter what kind of affliction may come your way, or trouble, or oppression, or simply being ignored, know this. You belong to Jesus. Simon and Jude, like Peter and John and the other apostles, were chosen and they were appointed. They were called and they were sent. And you too have been chosen. You are the chosen people of God. You are the ones that his son chose to be his friends. And the Lord will not forget his friends. He will not forget you. And so then, knowing who he is and what he has promised, knowing who he is and what he has done, listen to his word. Have love for each other. And be confident. Be confident in the face of trouble. Be confident in the face of opposition. Be confident in the face even of misunderstanding and oppression. Be confident. Because you are the Lord's. You are the friends of the Son of God. You are the people of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we have a joyous opportunity to make assignments for vicars and deaconess interns. The assignments will occur in the programs of Ethnic, Institute, uh, Ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology, the Deaf Institute of Theology, and the Cross-Cultural Ministry Center located at Concordia University in Irvine, California. These programs are contextual education programs in which the 